Hello, and welcome back to this week's episode of the Coger Center Arts Roundup. Welcome back to the Coger Center Arts Roundup podcast. Uh, my special guest this week is Brad from the Fireflies. So Brad, can you tell us um, what your position is with the Fireflies here in Columbia, South Carolina? Yes, I'm the executive vice president for the Fireflies. And the Fireflies have their home at Segra Park. Um, so can you talk about the fact that Segra Park is uh, a ball field, but obviously it's an entertainment destination. It does a lot more than baseball. Uh, so I just want to get to the root of what your position is. Can you explain how, like who you work for and who owns what? And is the ball field a, uh, like owned by the city and, uh, I feel like these relationships are confusing to the layperson sometimes. Yes, they, they're confusing to me sometimes. So, you know, I, I can only imagine for, for the layperson that's trying to figure it out. But yes, this, so we basically signed an agreement with the city of Columbia. The, the ballpark is owned by the city of Columbia. Um, you know, it was uh, the majority of it. It's $37 million ballpark. 30 million of that came from, the city of Columbia um, through through some bonds and then H tax money, um, you know those types of things, and uh, so we signed basically what what I would the simplest way of putting it is we signed a thirty year um, lease basically to to operate the ballpark, um, and and we paid our rent up front in a way that's very kind of interesting. We put seven million dollars into the ballpark right off the bat, um, so the pity, city paid. 30 million, we paid 7 million, um, and then we'll, uh, we'll operate the ballpark for 30 years, and that agreement started in 2016. Um, so that takes us quite a ways out. Um, and, and the way that, um, the, the best way that I would put it is, you know, we are tasked with, you know, the, the simple answer is the Fireflies baseball season, but really our task is to program events and other things happening at the ballpark here every day, because um, with it being a city-owned venue, you know, we we want to make sure that we are being good stewards of of taxpayers' money. You know, what I mean, and and we want to make sure that this isn't a venue that is just open for those seventy ball games. We want to make sure that it's open for everything. And and one of the unique ways that we do that is. Um, under normal circumstances, this year being a little different, um, the ballpark is a city park. So it's open from dawn till dusk every day. People can come in, walk laps around the concourse. The, the concourse is exactly a third of a mile. Um, we've got a lot of runners and walkers that'll come in and do some laps. And then people can come in and just eat their lunch, um, you know, at a picnic table or um, just hang out, just sit and look at the beautiful green grass. And, and I mean, how many ballparks can you just walk into when, when nothing's going on and just enjoy the atmosphere? So um, between that and then, you know, other special events, um, you know, we try and keep something going here really pretty much every day out of the year. So can you tell us just a little bit specifically about this ballpark? Um, how many seats do you have? For baseball, our capacity is 10,000. Uh, for concerts, we can do up to 15,000. And that's with people on the ball field itself? Yes. Yeah, yeah. So with, with the concerts, yeah, we, we expand that um, capacity by having, we'll put down flooring to cover up the grass, make sure that we protect it. Um, but we can do up to 5,000 people on the on the field. So, for example, we you know a couple years ago had a concert here that was 
Nelly, uh, Ludacris, Flo Rida, Yin Yang Twins, um, and we had a stage out in left field, had flooring covering a lot of the grass, and then had people sitting throughout the seating bowl as well. Um, so it gives you, you know, kind of that outdoor amphitheater feel. Um, I've, I've worked in baseball since 2002. Um, we've had Bob Dylan shows, Zach Brown Band, um, Florida, Georgia Line, and Nelly was the biggest one we ever did in Fort Wayne, where I worked previously. Um, they had 13,500 people for that, and I mean, it was an awesome atmosphere. Um, great acoustics, you know, I mean, it gives that outdoor amphitheater feel. Um, really cool for a show like that. So, I've been to a number of minor league ballparks, and it looks to me when uh, I don't know that much about baseball, I don't spend a lot of time in a baseball stadium, they look very similar to each other in a way that I guess I'm more familiar with seeing major league ballparks on television. And each ballpark seems to have a sort of unique character. They're very different. The distance to the outfield fence is different. But it, to me, the minor league parks look very similar. Is there, um, what's different about the Firefly Stadium uh, that makes it unique to other minor league ballparks? Yeah, so there, there's a couple things. Um, you know, as we designed the ballpark, one of the things that we really focused in on was trying to make this a unique ballpark for the people here in Columbia. Um, a couple ways that we did that. One is proximity to the field. Um, so we have very small foul territory compared to a lot of major league ballparks. If you're sitting in the front row behind home plate, you're 45 feet from home plate. So that's actually 15 feet closer to the to home plate than the pitcher is when he's standing on the pitcher's mound. So getting people close into the action um, and doing that. One, one really unique thing here is we have lots of variable seating. So it's not just, you know, what you would normally, a lot of minor league ballparks are just your, your normal seats, you know, your, your fold down seats, um, and, and that we do a lot of non-traditional seating, which is, you know, four top tables down the left field line where we have wait staff service. Um, you know, our home run porch seats have a drink rail in front of each seat and padded seats. Um, we've got the berm seats or the lawn seats out in the outfield um, where families can just bring a blanket or when we have, you know, wag along Wednesdays on, on Wednesdays and people can bring their dog to the ballpark, they can just hang out there with their dog on the grass in the outfield. Um, but we've also designed things for the future. So there's plans to continue to expand and add new amenities um, as time goes by. And that's a part of our agreement with the city as well is um, each year we invest um, some, of our, some of our ticket proceeds, some of our naming rights sponsorship into a capital improvement fund and that can only be spent on a ballpark um, to improve it. So the idea with that is, you know, some of the things are not so sexy, like, you know, just keeping things up to date or replacing things that break. But then there's also plans for the future to build um, a big club, indoor club out in center field that's all glass that'll overlook the wall and, and not only create a great space for baseball games, but also a really cool, unique venue for events, wedding receptions, things like that. So we're just going to continue to kind of build on things. Obviously, this year, um, through a little monkey wrench in, in progress plans, as it has with pretty much everybody. Um, but that'll be the plan moving forward once things do get back to normal, is to continue to add to that fund so that we can add new amenities and make sure that the fan experience gets even better as time goes by. In a normal year, how many events do you have that 
aren't baseball events. And can you give us an example, talk about what kinds of public and private events are hosted in this very unique uh, entertainment destination that is the ballpark? Yeah, so in a normal year, um, last year we had 310 events outside of baseball games on top of being open every day as a public park. Um, so we're getting really close to that number of having, you know, more events than there are days in the year. Now, some days we'll have two or three different events going on on the same day so that we're not quite there yet. Um, but just to give an example, our, our ballpark in Fort Wayne, which is a smaller market, last year they had 685 events outside of baseball games. That's, that's where we're going. Um, you know, and, and that'll keep building the, you know, the types of events. I mean, it is a wide range. So over the course of, you know, the time since the ballpark is opened, we've hosted, um, you know, a lot of baseball games, obviously that's the low hanging fruit, but, um, this past year in February before, um, everything stopped, we actually hosted a neutral site game between USC and Clemson here at the ballpark, which, you know, had over 9,000 people for, and, and was a, a really cool event. We've hosted high school football games. Um, basically we put goalposts in and, and paint the field going from home plate towards the right field wall. Um, we've hosted six different high school football games over the years. Um, kind of a unique venue. It's like the old games you'd see on TV with the Oakland Raiders and the Dolphins where they were playing across the dirt. Um, so that's that's been fun. Um, we do a lot of wedding receptions. We do a lot of galas. We have a, an indoor space, our club lounge, which overlooks the field behind home plate. Um, is about 7,000 square feet. So we can do um, large scale events up there, you know, seated galas for up to 400 people. Um, we hosted a, um, actually an event with the 1SC um, Foundation a few years back where Darius Rucker played a private concert for about 500 people up in that club lounge, um, which was rocking um, to have that in that kind of an indoor intimate space. Um, so we've done things like that. We do, um, you know, we host a lot of walks, charitable events here at the ballpark because it gives them a place where they can kind of have a home base and then either do the walk around the Bull Street campus or just inside the warning or inside our walls on the concourse to still have bathrooms and if they want food available and things like that. And then, you know, on a larger scale, um, we've hosted the um, famously pink hot marathon or famously hot pink marathon and half marathon and 5k where they actually that has about 10,000 walkers and runners each year and they finish actually on the field um, in the outfield so the finish line is actually you run into the ballpark and um, and finish on the field so it's a wide range a um, little bit of everything we had uh, we've had beer festivals we've had all kinds of different things I was talking to you just before we started recording this about um, baseball and, and how in my mind I see a strong similarity between baseball and uh, the theater business and that the, your Broadway show is sort of like the major leagues and then you've got these this whole sort of farm team of off-off-Broadway and off-Broadway shows and nonprofit theaters that that create product and and actors work their way up from the minor leagues to Broadway and productions for that matter work their way up um, and either succeed or don't. Um, can you tell us a bit about uh, how the minor league system works, its relationship to the major leagues, but you know, more specifically from the point of view of who are the Fireflies and where do they fall and what league is that? And can we expect changes in the future for you know, Columbia's team? Yeah. 
Yeah. So, so as of right now, the Columbia Fireflies are the low A, uh, single A affiliate for the New York Mets. And the way that relationship works is we have a player development contract. Um, like you said, similar to, you know, your relationship with Broadway, um, they, the Mets will send us players that they're trying to develop into major league players. Um, so they pay the salaries of the players and the coaches. Um, we split some of the other costs as far as like baseballs and bats. And, um, we take on travel costs and different things like that. Um, uniforms, all that good stuff. But, um, really they handle the baseball side of things and then we handle the business. Um, so our main focus is fan experience, um, is, you know, what is, is the beer cold? Is the food hot and tasty? Um, you know, are we doing entertaining things in between innings? Um, are we shooting off fireworks? What are the things we're doing to keep fans entertained that may, may or may not enjoy baseball? Um, or, you know, because we don't have a lot of control over who the players are, you know, we don't know what type of team it's going to be. So we want to make sure people are still having a good enough time that they're going to say, hey, I'm going to go to, you know, two, three, four Fireflies games a year because even though the game wasn't great, we still had a great time. I saw people dressed up as hamburger buns and um, building a life-size hamburger and jumping on top of each other or, you know, just different things like that. So it's um, – it's interesting because, you know, for the players, the focus is obviously the play and they're looking to move up and, and go up the levels. You know, we're, we're in low A, so you would go from low A to high A to double A to triple A to the major league. So we're still very early on. Most of our players um, are anywhere from 17 to 22, 23 years old. Um, so, you know, they're, they're just getting started. So in a lot of ways, this is their first kind of full season of minor league baseball. Um, but their focus is really on the, the field of play, you know, uh, getting better, um, making sure that they're doing what they need to do to get to the big leagues. Um, for us, it's, it's focused on the community and the fans and, and making sure that we're providing them with the top-notch experience at an affordable cost. The Fireflies um, are sort of, is it managed by a group that um, mm -hmm. also manages a couple of other teams? Where are those? Yeah, so we, our ownership group is Hardball Capital, um, and, and our principal owner is Jason Fryer. He's, he's out of uh, Atlanta, Georgia, is where his, his home base is. Uh, he owns the Columbia Fireflies, then he also owns um, another single-A affiliate in um, Fort Wayne, Indiana, the Fort Wayne Tin Caps. Um, and then he also owns a team in Chattanooga, Tennessee, that's a double-A team um, called the Chattanooga Lookouts. So, you know, we ultimately on a business end, you know, answer to, to that ownership group. Uh, but each of those entities is a separate entity. Like we're, we're a separate entity that has a player development contract with the Mets. Uh, Fort Wayne Tin Caps have a player development contract with the Padres. And then Chattanooga has a, a player development contract with the Reds. And minor league teams play in their own league, right? So just yes. because you're in, say, low A or double A or even triple A ball, does that, that doesn't mean you're playing all the other, you, you know, teams in your same uh, tier, right? Yep. You play inside a smaller league. Uh, so what league are we and, and how many leagues are there? Yeah, so there, well, I don't know if I'll give you the exact number on that. Um, it's, uh, so low A, there are two leagues. There's the South Atlantic League, which we're in. Um, right now, the South Atlantic League has 14 teams. It spans, we're, 
we're about the southernmost team. Um, the northernmost team is Lakewood, New Jersey. Um, so it's pretty spread out along the, the eastern seaboard. Um, there's also our team in Fort Wayne's in the Midwest League. They're also a low A league. That team has, or that league has 16 teams. So depending on the, the amount of teams in each league, you know, low A has two leagues. High A, I believe, has three double a has three and then triple a has two so there's roughly 10 leagues across those now there's also some rookie ball leagues um that are even a couple a level below us um that's right now um, major league baseball and minor league baseball are renegotiating a contract um just with how that all works and with that will probably come some changes um you know it won't change we're still the Columbia Fireflies. We'll still be playing minor league baseball. Um, we may have a different affiliate. Um, we may be affiliated with a different major league team other than the Mets because they are trying to get their minor league affiliates closer to the major league teams um, just in proximity. Um, it does make things easier, you know, from that standpoint, because maybe you'll have shared fans, um, you know, and, and those types of things. And then they're also realigning the leagues because, it probably doesn't make sense for us to travel to Lakewood, New Jersey, when they could realign leagues and have us pretty much just playing teams in the Carolinas, um, where our you know longest trip is going to be about 250 miles, um, as opposed to 800 miles um, to travel up to New Jersey. So that's that's kind of what's happening right now, um, and we should have probably a little more clarity on that, I would guess, towards the end of this month or beginning of November, um, as far as what that's going to look like. But we're, we're just kind of in a waiting game to see what, what comes down and um, we'll, we'll continue to, you know, operate in the way that we have and provide the entertainment aspects for everybody, no matter what. So can we talk about right now, because we are uh, taping this on October the 6th, and that means you would have ended your season had you been able to play this year. So you're over a year with no baseball games. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. Um, you obviously go into every off season with a plan for all of the things you're going to do, 300 and some odd events to get you back through to the baseball season. Not only did you not have baseball, but we've had all sorts of um, closures, rules and regulations about what you can and can't do. Uh, what are you all able to do uh, in this current environment? Um, yeah. Now that you're not playing baseball, because um, you're an outdoor space, so you've got that going for you, at least until it gets super cold. Um, what yeah. can people look for at the ballpark right now? Yeah, it's, uh, it's, been, a, it's been an interesting year. You know, April and May um, really were nothing. You know I mean? And I think that was for most people. Um, you know, once we got to the end of May and, and some things, you know, some restrictions were kind of lifted in, in, in a little part, um, that's when we started doing every, you know, every Friday and Saturday that we didn't have another event going on, we had restaurant nights here at the ballpark. So basically we turned into Fireflies Bar and Grill, um, and then people could put in reservations for tables of, you know, two, four, six, eight, um, and come out here and, and have dinner and overlook the, the beautiful ballpark. Initially there, we were replaying games from the past. Um, so we would put those up on the video board just for some entertainment. Um, and then as Major League Baseball got started, we started showing live baseball games up on the video board. And then, 
you know, it seems like as we continue to progress, like a couple of weeks ago, we had South Carolina, Tennessee's football game up on the video board while people were, were enjoying dinner. So that's been something we've been doing regularly. Um, the, the thing we've heard from a lot of people is this is the only place they've been out to dinner since March. Um, and, and the reason that they, they have come out here and have, the best thing is they keep coming. Um, and this is the only place they're going is because we just have so much space. Um, it's an outdoor space. We can spread people out so that you feel safe. Um, you know, in, in a lot of cases, it's folks that are, you know, a little bit older or might be in that high risk category. So to, to provide them with a space that feels safe where they can still go out to dinner and, and have some normalcy is, is really great. Um, and I think fulfills what we've tried to do as being a good steward of the community. Um, you know, in addition to that, we've, we've hosted a graduation um for a high school here um so yes, we, that's we can, another tie between us because we yeah. were supposed to host the graduation and in fact said you know uh we don't think we can do that uh, yeah. because the, we, there's not we don't have, we have the capacity to host that many people inside um yeah, yeah so they found a new yeah. home there yes. at Central Park, which was fantastic Yes, so we were able to to kind of help them out, and and again, I mean, it very different from what we normally do, but I mean, our staff and everybody did a great job of making sure that we kept people spaced out. Um, you know, we had we hosted a, a funeral um, a few weeks back of a guy, a local guy who was a baseball scout for the Cardinals that was a local coach, um, because they they didn't want to just not do something. Um, they wanted to be able to do that. So the folks from the Cardinals actually got in touch with our owner and said, hey, can you guys help them out? Um, and thankfully, we were able to, to do that for them. And, and it meant a lot to the family, um, you know, to be able to do something on a baseball field, which is where he you know, really enjoyed being. Um, so, so we've done a little bit of everything. I mean, we've had uh, last weekend, we had an Oktoberfest, um, had about 400 people and 35 breweries that, that gave people a chance to get out and stay spaced out and, and try some different beers um, from all over the country. Um, so that was, you know, probably our biggest kind of event we put together thus far. Um, but even, even with that, you know, with 400 people, um, everybody was extremely spread out. You know, the only groupings of people were people that came together and were grouped together. Um, we had people have masks on unless they were tasting a beer. Um, and, and it worked out great. You know, I mean, uh, we've, we've done a lot with making sure that things are sanitized. Um, you know, we hosted about 40 baseball games over the summer too, between American Legion and, and some youth baseball. Um, and, and our facilities crew and, and everybody has done a great job of making sure we're sanitizing before and after events. Um, right now, our seating bowl looks a lot different than it normally does because every other row is blocked off. Um, and then the first three seats in the rows that you can sit on are, are zip tied so that nobody can sit in those just to make sure that people are six feet away from the aisleway um, as, as they're sitting there. And then we'll group people two, four, six people, and then leave a gap of three seats between them and people on the other side of the row. That way nobody's crossing over the top of each other um, and doing that. But, you know, that's that's the way it's probably going to look for a while here, um, would be my guess. Uh, you know, I think we're all, you know, you guys being in the same business, I mean, we're all just kind of trying to keep track of what what others are doing, what's safe. Um, and, and a lot of it is, you know, even just the perception um, 
you know, of, hey, is this a place that I can go to and not, not put myself at risk? Because um, that's a major, that's a major thing right now is, is people want to know that you're putting the precautions in place to keep them safe. So that's, that's been huge for us. I mean, cleaning restrooms, having bathroom attendants regularly going through there and cleaning those, um, hand sanitizing stations everywhere. Um, you know, all of our staff is masked at all times, has the facial covering and then anybody serving food, obviously wearing gloves. Um, we've got the, you know, the plexiglass partitions also to help just kind of keep that barrier between people. So we're, we're evolving. I mean, you know, every, every day is a little bit different, um, but we've definitely been able to do some, some unique things. And then, you know, we're looking forward to now um, doing some things with the arts community, which we hadn't done previously. Last week, we had the Philharmonic um, come out with a quintet um, or an ensemble and, and a brass ensemble that did dinner and dinner and music and so they they played some of their favorite selections and interacted with the crowd and um, we had two seatings of that with about 20 tables for each one um, which was great I mean it and and it's crazy because the performers as we were talking with them the musicians I mean some of them hadn't played a gig since last March um, so they were excited to be in a place where they could do that safely and, and actually do what they love, which, you know, I, I, I was glad we were able to give them that opportunity as well. And I think that'll continue to move, you know, on into the future of, of doing things like that, especially until we can get back to some normalcy where, you know, they're, they're hosting events with y'all and with other indoor events or indoor venues. We're excited because we uh, are going to be uh, working together on uh, movie nights uh, coming up in a couple of weeks, October the 18th. Have you done other movie nights? I mean, surely uh, you've got this huge digital scoreboard. Uh, it sort of screens, you know, big screen television yeah. outside. Um, is this, this can't be the first time you've done films there at the ballpark. So we, we have done films every year um, up until now. Um, we have a Girl Scout and Boy Scout overnight, separate nights um, that we'll do after a game. And then after the game, they get to camp out on the field the entire night and we show a movie on the video board for them for that. So we have done movies in that way. Um, this year, we, we haven't done any in the off season yet, um, but actually this weekend, weather pending um you know we're we're planning to have our first one um there's a remnant of the the negro leagues that has still been playing here in south carolina and um they are to their championship series for this season so they're going to actually play game one of their championship series here on saturday and then following that um, about an hour after the game, we'll show the movie 42 up on the video board, um, which we also, you know, the tie in with Chadwick Boseman being a, a South Carolinian um, and, and doing that. And just I think with the times we're living in right now, I mean, it's a very pertinent movie to, to what, what's going on in the world right now. So that'll be kind of our first one. We're, <laughs> we're hoping that this hurricane doesn't change our plans on that. But if not, we'll, we'll reschedule and, and get that out there. But you're right. It's it's a great venue for that. I mean, the, the movie screen is already built in, so you don't have any costs of, you know, putting up a, an inflatable screen or anything like that. And then with the outfield grass, um, our architects drew up a 
a grid where it's basically 10 by 10 and 10 by 20 squares, where if we do want to use the field for seating, we can do pods where you buy a pod for up to four people or up to eight people if it's a bigger one, and people can just bring their blanket, sit on the grass out on the field and watch a movie, and we'll have, you know, in those cases, um, food and beverage available down on the field and, and do that. But, you know, then for some others, we're going to use a seating bowl, so it'll almost be like a movie theater um, or even like dinner in a movie, which I think is, is what we're going to do for some of your folks. And when people say, I'm going to go to the ballpark for dinner, um, I think that maybe you think, oh, right, you're going to get chicken fingers and hot dogs. But <laughs> you all have done a great job of moving on from what you would think of as traditional ballpark food, which is great at a ballpark. Um, but you've got a much larger selection going. Um, do you want to talk about the restaurant, the staff, how they've you know, become creative and, and taken this opportunity to do things they could never do, you know, if they were trying to serve, you know, five, eight, 10,000 people at a ball game. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, the, the math has changed. The equation has changed, you know, now that you're talking, um, you know, a little more limited number of people and, and the hundreds and not thousands. Yes. Yes, absolutely. So yeah, our executive chef and, and our um, senior vice president of food and beverage, they've put together uh, a full menu that has lots of great options, unique options, um, you know, doing different things. You know, we've got three different varieties of, of street tacos with barbacoa and, um, and carne asada and then uh, shrimp tacos, which are great, fresh pico and, and, and everything like that. We've got some unique sandwiches that they've made. One is, um, it, it is uh, like a fried chicken filet and then um, has shrimp and then coconut shrimp and then fried pickles on top with kind of like a sriracha ranch, um, which is very unique. Um, we, they've done seafood dips, um, spinach artichoke dips. They've done, you know, different themes. This, this weekend on Friday night, we're doing a, we've participated for the past two years in what's called Copa de Diversión, which is a minor league baseball initiative to, to um, bring in the, the Latinx community and make sure that they're feeling welcome at ballparks. And so um, for two games last year, we changed our team name to the Chicharrones de Colombia, which is the pork rinds. Um, so we've got this little pig logo and um, kind of a cool thing. But this weekend, we're going to do that um, because I believe this is uh, Mexican Heritage Month. And so we're going to have some different you know, Hispanic dishes on, on the menu. So our, our food and beverage manager came in a little earlier and said he's, he's creating those so that we can shoot some pictures out so that people can know what to look forward to on Friday this week. But yeah, they've, they've really expanded on, on what they can do because they have a little more time and, and opportunity. Lots of the chicken, bacon, ranch, quesadillas, and, you know, just different things you would not normally expect at a ballpark. Do you have other events coming up that you could uh, tell people about to look for? Um, obviously, once again, I'm going to plug the Cougar Center partnership with Segra Park is we're, we're showing uh, an American in Paris film. Uh, in part, we were inspired because we were supposed to have the stage musical, which is in fact based on the film, um, come through on tour, but that has been canceled. Uh, that didn't get to reschedule because the tour was slated to end in, in May. Um, and when they were looking to the future, they just wrapped up the tour rather than postpone. Um, so it's a great film. So we thought we would show that, but 
we wanted to make it a little more of an experience. So we've got the uh, moving picture uh, film archive at the University of South Carolina has pulled together some, uh, some footage of Paris and around the time period that the movie is set and that we're gonna have live music playing uh, during the, the film archive showing because most of the film archive is, uh, that we're gonna see is gonna be um, largely silent picture. Um, so we've got live musicians there and you talked about hosting these big concerts, you know, like an outdoor kind of thing that would recreate, say, being in an arena or at a major outdoor amphitheater. But what, do you have any, and then we talked about the, something very different, which is five brass players playing for dinner. Um, mm -hmm. But what, have you done other kinds of uh, musical events? Because it seems like you're set up with, you know, the seating, the field to really host music. Um, can you either talk about what you've had previously at this stadium or mm -hmm. anything you might have coming up in the future? The, for, for music? Yeah, yeah, so we were actually in, in the process of trying to finalize a deal um, to have a concert here at the end of October. So the date we're looking at is October 30th. Um, we haven't finalized it yet, so I don't wanna get too far down the road, but the way that it would work is we would actually put the stage at second base and face it towards the outfield. And then we would use those 10 by 10 squares People could purchase a square, so it's kind of like a, a lawn seating option at, a, at an outdoor amphitheater. Um, and then we would have the band playing there. We would also use some of our berms in the outfield for additional seating. Um, so it actually would almost create like a little amphitheater feel. Um, so we're looking at doing that. Um, hopefully here in the, hopefully it's something we can get finalized here in the next week or so, so that we can get it out there and announced. Um, I believe the the band we've been talking to is uh, a, like an Eagles tribute band, I think. Um, so it would be you know, some some good music, and they play their whole collection. Um, so yeah, there's there's definitely opportunities with that. One interesting thing that we've uh, kind of stumbled across, and we had a a small show a couple weeks ago, and then we have actually on the 16th, so two days before American in Paris. Um, we have a comedian coming in um, to put on a, a comedy show. Um, Fortune Feenster, who she's a uh, you know pretty well known comedian. I think she her her stand up is one of the top five um, stand up shows that they've got on Netflix. She had a Netflix special. She was on the Mindy Project. Um, really well known comedian. So she's coming here, and basically we'll do a, a small stage on home plate have about 15 tables that'll be VIP tables out on the warning track and on the field. And then we'll use the rest of the seating bowl um, to space people out um, the way that we were talking about earlier. So probably 700, 750 will be kind of the max capacity for that. Um, but that has been, you know, that has been selling really well. Um, I think we'll probably sell that one out would be my guess. Um, and then the, the, promoter that we've been talking to a lot of these comedy stores and comedy you know venues are just unable to open because i mean if you've ever been to one of those i mean they're tight you know i mean it's it's not spaced out super well um so he's trying to get creative and has now done this with some different ballparks and a lot of the comedians are now calling him because they've seen him doing this well, they haven't gotten to try any new material in six months with a live crowd and you know and and like every 
everybody. I mean, you know, if they can't go out and, and do their thing, they can't make money. So, you know, they're, they're chomping at the bit to get out here. So this is something that may turn into something that we do, you know, even moving forward after um, the pandemic and, and after things get back to normal, because he, he loves it. Um, the only thing he doesn't like is having to worry about weather, um, which, you know, outdoor venues, that's the one, that's the one big, big thing that's out there that you always have to worry about. But, um, you know, we, we may do another one in, in November, you know, just based on how well this one's going. And um, he's got some, some other comedians that are really well known, like big name comedians that are looking to do this with them. So we're, we're, we're going to continue to try and just get creative with things. Um, is there anything else you want to add about the ballpark, uh, about being here in Columbia that you think people should know? For example, uh, the thing that I didn't realize about the ballpark was that it is open as a public park from sunup to sundown, and that's seven days a week that you can stop by and just enjoy the space. Yeah, yeah, and and right now we are we are not open as a public park just because um, with everything going on, we would have to. It would be so tough to make sure we're sanitizing, and you'd almost have to follow people around, which would be very weird um you know to make sure if they sat at a table or something like that that we were sanitizing it so until things have lifted a little bit on that side we're gonna keep the gates closed unless we're having events because then we just have more control um but you know as soon as as soon as this kind of clears up to a point that we feel comfortable with it yeah it, it will open up and and it's open 365 days a year from dawn till dusk um, because this, it's a city ballpark. I mean, it, the people own it. So, you know, we want them to have access to it and be able to enjoy it. Um, you know, I always tell people with that, you know, the, the best thing about that is even if you don't want to come out to a fireflies game or a baseball game, you know, you can come out and enjoy this great amenity. Um, you can just come in and, and sit in the seats and enjoy looking at the green grass and the beautiful backdrop backdrop. Um, you know, so there's, there's certainly that. And I mean, you know, I know you, you said that, you know, you, you guys have some students that listen, you know, and we, we've formed a great relationship with the university um, and provide a lot of opportunities for students to get experience working on the event side of things, um, whether it is baseball or, or working more on the special events, facilities, operations, um, ticketing operations, uh, marketing, those pieces. We usually have about 15 to 20 interns every year um, that are paid internships that give students a ton of experience. Um, and I always tell people it gives them the experience to know, um, one, you know, is this what I want to do, um, you know, moving forward? Because until you're in it, you don't really know. I mean, you guys know as well as I do the events business. I mean, it's it's a different different hours, different, you know, certainly different things you have to, to be aware of. Um, so it gives them that experience. And then it also gives them the ability to, if they're working in a certain department, you know, they can figure out if that's the track they want to go or not and, and can kind of help them to specialize in things. So we've, we've really had some great interns over the years. Interestingly enough, one of our interns last year, um, and, and it was through the sports, uh, sports business program, um, was DJ Wanham, who was a defensive end for the football team and those guys are pretty limited on what they can do so we've worked with them and had him he helped out in our ticket office so you know some people were buying tickets from a guy who got drafted and 
had his first NFL sack on Sunday. So, you know, just some interesting things there that we've been able to, you know, give, give people opportunities to figure out, you know, which route they want to go for him. It ended up being an NFL player. So I don't know that, um, I don't know. He, he won't have to sell his own tickets, but if he needed to, he could, so he'd be ready. <laughs> well, I appreciate you taking the time to talk to us. I, I could probably go on with questions for a, a lot longer about the nitty gritty of like, how you run your venue because that's what we do here we run it yeah. but i think for our listeners sake we'll uh, we'll cut it short <laughs> here and um just remind people that the ballpark is more than just the fireflies it's more than just the 70 uh, baseball games a year it is a public uh, owned ballpark that is open in normal times year round for you to stop by enjoy the space but also a place that you can go see um, eat dinner, watch entertainment, host events. So if you're looking for an event space, you all are obviously one to check out. Um, uh, thank you so much for your time. And I look forward to our partnership with uh, an American in Paris in a few weeks. And hopefully it'll be the first of many partnerships with arts, uh, you know, throughout the city. We've got a lot of arts organizations that are looking, as you said, to get their musicians, their artists uh, out and working. And you've, you've, you're obviously a space that, uh, has more capabilities being an outdoor venue than a lot of the rest of us. So hopefully we'll see yeah. those partnerships flourish. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, you know, like you said, I think this, I think this is just the beginning of, of kind of creating those relationships. And, you know, we've, we've kind of tossed around here for years that we'd love to do like a, either a day or a weekend where it's arts in the park and, and be able to show off some of the talented artists, whether it's, um, visual arts or musical arts or, or uh, theatrical arts, whatever those are, you know, we could do some really fun things. And because the, the venue is so versatile, you know, it would be able to create spaces within the ballpark to, to have all those different artists come out and be able to really show off what they can do. And um, so, you know, this, this, I think is the first step to kind of getting, getting the ball rolling towards that. So we've got, you know, get through, get through these next little uh, this this book that we're in right now and and then hopefully start building some some big events yeah that sounds very exciting i love that idea well I, we can't wait to participate awesome awesome well, well thank thanks you. again for your time uh once again our guest has been brad shank he's the um executive vice president um <laughs> for the fireflies uh, at Sacred park thanks for your time yep thank you The Coker Center Arts Roundup is produced in part by Garnet Media Group, the student media partnership at the University of South Carolina. Information about tickets and upcoming events can be found at CokerCenterForTheArts.com, the official website for Coker Center tickets. For more information about Garnet Media Group, visit GarnetMedia.org.